This is the Hollywood Raw Podcast, hosted by entertainment veteran Dax Holt and street journalist Adam Glenn. Welcome to the Hollywood Raw Podcast. My name is Adam Glenn. I'm in New York. On the other side of the country is my friend Dax Holt. We are Hollywood journalists. We've been covering this for more than a decade. Um, are you two decades or no? No, not yet. Not, I don't, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean... Talking to Rachel, you could tell this week, and her reminding us that the Tiger Woods story was 14 years ago, which means I'm getting close to two decades at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Actually, 2005 was when I graduated college and started TMZ the next day. So I'm thinking I'm two years away from two decades. Wait, you graduated college and got a job the next day? Well, yeah, because I was interning. I was interning at TMZ while I was in college. And so literally they couldn't hire me full time. So I graduated, like, let's say on Saturday and they gave me my papers. And then Monday was when I started full time. Interesting. Dude, you're like so lucky because I struggled when I got out of college. I couldn't find I was working at the Howard Stern show and and still struggling too. Oh, dude, I'm struggling <laughs> with my allergies and my career. With my allergies in my career. Um, but when I graduated college, I couldn't get a job for two years. And I was applying everywhere. I, could, I couldn't even get an interview. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I thought if I worked, and I worked very hard at the Howard Stern Show. And I was really, like, I was good at what I did. And I still have a good relationship with everyone there. There was just no openings, like, for, like, there was just no openings. But I struggled for two years. Actually, four, I didn't get a job for four years after college. And that's when I got TM by like chance and by meeting people, but it was just very random. All right, not uh, this is turning into a, a different type of like. What are we talking about? Welcome <laughs> to the Hollywood Raw podcast. This is our top ten stories of the week. We kind of give you uh, everything you need to know in pop culture and entertainment news, so you know everything there is to know before the weekend. Before we get to that, we actually read your review live on air. Dax, you have one review ready for us. I got a review. All right, this one comes from Sabe W. It says, Sarah Beth from Birmingham, Birmingham, Alabama. Hi, guys. Love the podcast. Discovered y'all while listening to Demois. One episode, and I was hooked. Thanks for a fun outlet for a busy mom. Keep up the good work. Next on my to-do list is to join the Facebook group. Cheers. Yes. Sarah Beth, you better be in that Facebook group. We have a lot of fun. Um, I was <laughs> I was loving the comments that I saw this morning about uh, one of our former guests going on a different show and just how they were like, oh, come on. We already heard all these stories. It made me giggle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, it's hard to get a different guest and make it interesting, you know, but like, I don't know. I hope like if you listen to our interview, with Rachel, you could tell, yes, she's been on other podcasts, but I think the conversation we had with her this past week was really interesting because we covered her. So it was good to have like two different perspectives from people mm-hmm. who actually worked on her and then from her side. Then also, I think there are some different takeaways that I didn't hear in other interviews with her, but no, well, less, I think our- what the, the feedback that I got from a lot of people is they, they like that it wasn't just all about tiger. Like she gets pounded with tiger questions for the last 14 years but it was like i want to know about the vip life what you know interacting with all these celebs and i thought we saw a different side of her because people have very mixed reactions when it comes to that name because yeah people don't like cheaters but um i think that we gave her a, a humanized side of the story and you know a lot of people walked away and i think have a different perspective of her today yeah 
there's more to Rachel than just Tiger. I mean, granted, Tiger was a big part of her life and her career and her name, her image, her brand, I guess. Yep. I wouldn't say that's part of her brand, but there's she's done a lot. So it's a really good interview if you haven't checked it out. I recommend you check it out. On to the top 10 stories of the week. We used to try to do this podcast, our top 10 stories of the week in 20 minutes. Somehow it went longer, but I mean, <laughs> we, we gave we up just on trying to. Yeah, we, we get excited. <laughs> uh, let's start with number 10, Dex. All right, number 10, Love is Blind. Uh, the show is being accused of mistreating contestants, and a lot of the fans are calling for the removal of Nick and Vanessa Lachey, who are the hosts of the show. Uh, the, basically, the Netflix show is just under a ton of fire right now, so it's got a huge mess on its hands. And uh, it, it basically, days after Netflix apologized for season four, they're huge delay of their live reunion uh they're now facing new controversies business insider published a report on tuesday which uh, detailed a bunch of past contestants and their alleged mistreatment by producers. Um, there's now even a change.org petition gaining a lot of steam calling for Nick and Vanessa Lachey's removal. So basically, you know, there's the former cast members who claim that filming the show is quote unquote hell on earth. Um, there was one a contestant that basically said uh, they, they were suffering a panic atten- uh, attack on the show. And despite informing producers uh, about a past suicide attempt, tried to convince them to stay, uh, tried to was convinced to stay because she was a fan favorite. And so the, the, the woman's name is Danielle Rule. I, best, I think that's how you say her last name. Uh, she said, I kept telling them, I don't trust myself. I've tried committing suicide before. I'm having suicidal thoughts. I don't think I continue this. And they said, no, 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 you need to stay. Just you're doing great. You're a fan favorite rather than worrying about her mental health. Um, And then, I mean, the stories go on and on how they were hungry. They were slept sleep deprived. They were filming for 20 hours a day, um, basically because you get better content when people are hungry and tired. And, um, you know, it's not the first time we've heard about shows doing this. I think a lot on The Amazing Race. They do that, you know, like it's just go, 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 feed you barely anything. And then it causes a lot more dramatics, but people don't want to be treated like that. Yeah, it's uh, I don't watch the show, you know, mm-hmm. and I hear good things about the show. People are obsessed with the show. I don't watch it. Uh, but the memes of Vanessa Lachey this past week were everywhere. Um, the facial reaction she did, I. It was it was un. I'm not going to say it was not like Vanessa Lachey, but it was very odd. Did you see the memes that kind of came from her faces? I, I, and I didn't reactions? see it. No, I was I was reading all the stories because I, there, there was like 22,000 people that signed this petition saying that they need to uh, get them off this show because they don't like Vanessa. They don't like Nick. They don't like well, the, the big thing that I got out of it was people don't like how she keeps like trying to make the show about her. Again, I'm like you. I don't watch the show, so I can't say that I can necessarily comment on it. But uh, they say they don't like that. It's always about her, that she 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 talks over the contestants. She talks over Nick. People are just over them. They're like, can, the show's big enough. Get a real host. Which She is a real host, which is funny because she literally got her start being a, a host. Right. I mean, being a beauty queen and then being a host. Yeah. Um. Yes. And then she was on TRL for years and. It was weird, though. The facial reaction she did, it was like when you're the host, you're not trying to take the attention away from the person. You're supposed to guide the show. But she was just very um, theatrical with her facial reactions, but the way she was acting. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, do those petitions actually work? If you know, and, and listen, twenty two thousand people is not a lot of people. So it's funny how these media outlets kind of stir up stuff like the internet's talking. I'm like, what are you talking about the internet? It was four people on Twitter <laughs> that kind of bad mouth. So this I'm petition like, means Twitter, nothing. I was like, Twitter is a place for people to fuel hate anyway. Uh, yeah. No, I. You know, at the end of the day, we're talking about Love Is Blind. So, and they've been the host for four seasons. So it's working, right? Like people, if you have a host that is polarizing, that is sometimes a very good thing for the show because there's going to be people that are tuning in just to talk shit on Nick and Vanessa. And yeah, that it, is part of the the sauce to making a, a good show. Yeah. All right. Number nine. Number nine. Oh, this one's a pretty serious one. Jonathan Majors, uh, his uh, his issues are worsening as more alleged uh, abuse victims are cooperating with the DA's office. So Variety had this exclusive story this week. Um, Jonathan Mayers, he's preparing to go to court on May 8th for an appearance uh, on a domestic violence charge. And now his PR problems are just getting bigger and bigger. More people are coming forward alleging abuse. So we've got multiple alleged victims at this point. Um, and a lot of them are cooperating with the district attorney office. And keep in mind, Jonathan Majors, like he was really on the track to become the next major, major star. He's he was he was in uh, Creed Bree, but also signed up to do numerous Marvel movies that he was going to be starring in. Uh, they were going to start filming next, I think, next year and um, has it's just he's got this huge career going and now this is going to take away i think from that spotlight um having numerous people come forward and saying that he choked them he abused women all this stuff again i have to say alleged um but uh he is now in a major crisis pr mode when your management drops you you know like mm -hmm. his, his representation dropped him do you think there's more to the story that we don't know because again there's He's speaking out about it, saying, you know, they're definitely doing some crisis PR right here, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to cover up and defend his name. But his management dropped him, and that became a story. That's does that's that? A, how does that story even come out? Deal. I yeah, don't know. But, I mean, that's 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 when you have the the management. They release that. Honestly, that's where that comes from. They release that statement because they want to separate themselves from the client. You know what I'm saying? That screws um, the client. I mean, that's a 100%. bad way of dealing with it. Like, why? You know, like that's kind of a it's a noose. How do you handle that situation? It, because there's no cool way. There's no right way. It's like, oh, man, what a he mess. needs to call Steve Honig crisis PR <laughs> specialist, former guest of the Hollywood Raw podcast. Um, no, but, you know, when you, when your management drops you, that's not good, especially like I said, he is in line to do all these huge Marvel movies. I want to say it's called Kang. The King Dynasty, uh, Avengers yeah. King Dynasty. He's going to be in that. Um, and that was like a $20 million paycheck. And then when you're in the Marvel franchise, then, you know, you, you do um, appearances and all their other movies to kind of launch your your character. Um, shoot, dude, this is this is bad, bad news for him. I mean, listen, if he's an abuser, then he deserves all of this. If this is, you know, uh, an opportunistic moment then i don't know what to say yeah but there there is like you know his lawyer his team is trying to say that she did go out that night after the incident so if she was so hurt and so uh you know 
mentally and physically distraught by the situation, then why did she go to a club? Why did she go and party? So it's a really weird situation. Mm-hmm. It's just, and I don't know what the truth is. I mean, there's no, you know, it's just, you know, everything. Basically, you're innocent yeah. proven guilty, but it's just yeah. a very, very bad situation. It's really jeopardizing his career. Again, when your representation drops you, it's not easy to get another representation to take you. And I'm sure right. when it came to his representing signing him, there's multiple places out there to sign him. Like everyone was kind of reach out to him. So I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if he's getting calls from other people saying, listen, I know they dropped you, but we want to sign you. So his, his attorney put out saying, so Jonathan Majors is innocent and has not abused anyone. We have provided irrefutable evidence to the district attorney's office and that the charges are false. We are confident that he will be fully exonerated. So, okay. Here's what's interesting. Why would his management team drop him before it goes through? But yet Disney is basically saying, we are waiting to see how this case unfolds. Why Disney, the bigger player here, is like, let's see how it unfolds. But management's like, bye, peace, clean their hands. Because Disney has more money invested into it. You know, that's the same thing that happened with Flash. There was all the stories with the star of the Flash Flash movie. And they're yeah. like, we can't cancel this. We have too much money. We have millions of dollars invested into this project. We can't afford. Oh, I mean, they can afford to, but like, it's just going to be burnt money. So nightmare. I think yeah. they want to wait and say and to make sure they do the right thing. And the right thing is wait till the truth comes out and not act on it before, um, you know, the legal actions are taken care of. And we find out if he is guilty. Yeah. So I think it's just a it's not a good situation for him and it's going to take some time until we figure out the truth. But yeah, where there's smoke, there's fire, man. It's just a weird thing. Something it's we, we don't see know. This so much with like so many act- stars. I'm not going to say actors, but famous people. It's like one person comes forward and then it's like the floodgates open. And yeah, and next thing you know, there's four five, six people all coming forward. Allegedly. And that's what's going on. That's exactly yeah. what's happening. All right. Number eight. Number eight. Bridget Fonda spotted her out. This was pretty interesting. Our, our buddies over at Backgrid got video of her out. She was at the airport. You know, she left Hollywood 20 years ago. Did you realize that? Back in 20, uh, 2002 was her final film credit. Um, but they caught her out and they just said, hey, how you doing? Like, do you miss being in the public eye? Do you miss acting? And she goes, nope, it is too nice uh, being a civilian. <laughs> And I thought that's a really interesting perspective because she comes from a crazy famous family. She's 59 years old now, um, but she comes from a crazy family. Like her her dad is Peter Fonda. She was in a ton of movies. She was an easy rider. She was in um, Point of No Return. I mean, I could go down and list all of the different things that she's been in. Jackie Brown, Kiss of the Dragon, Lake Placid. I mean, on and on and on. Um, but yeah, she she kind of just got out of it, got over it. She w- was acting at a, a very young age. And so she looks very different now. She's very much, you would not recognize her. She walked past you at the airport. I don't know how they knew it was her, actually. Because they got her flight. Oh, is that is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, if you get her flight, and you get her frequent flyer number, and then you get her flight. And then as soon as you know the flight, you know she's coming out. So it's not like someone's like spotted her. They were looking for her. But again, and not this is not a mean thing. She just looks very different now. So I, oh would, yeah, I wouldn't even if I knew her flight number, she could walk right past me. Um, yes, I, you're right. I, if I if I was a camera guy out there, I would be waiting. I wouldn't notice that was her. 
Yes, but sometimes you kind of know. Sometimes, like again, from experience, if there's someone, if there's a greeter there, which it looks like there's a greeter, they could have been holding a sign saying Fonda, you know. Uh, gotcha, so, gotcha. and then uh, honestly, sometimes I think, and I'm not uh, exactly sure on this, she was with her child. And if you know what the child looks like, then you kind of know what she looks like. So there's different ways around it. Is she still married to Danny Elfman, by the way? Do you know? That would be interesting. I mean, I know. So uh, I don't think she's with him anymore. Um, they had, you oh, know, because after her engagement to Elfman, Fonda withdrew from acting and concentrated on family. So I don't think she's with Danny Elfman anymore. No, they are. So they they ma- married 2003. And then it looks like they're still married. Okay. Well, they had a son together. So Olivier, I was Olivier or Olivia R. <laughs> Olivier Elfman. Yeah. That's yeah, Danny Elfman's massive uh, producer or um, what is composer. he? He's not a producer. Composer. There we go. Yeah. Do you think she has enough money where she does never have to work again? Yeah. Between her and Danny. Yeah, they're fine. And I think that that's that's probably what it is. It's like I've done everything. I've been these huge movies. I I don't need it anymore. I, I would rather be able to go to Disneyland and walk around as a normal person than be hounded every two feet. I think that people that have been so famous and then you step out of the spotlight and you are now a normal person, there's got to be some kind of sense of relief of that. How often do you get recognized? Um, I mean, because you're very recognizable. I still get recognized quite often. Um, and it's normally like some guy walked up to me in the gym. It was really funny because, again, other people's perception of your recognize recognizability i don't know how to say that word but he came up and i had a hat on and he was like hey i know who you are and i was like who am i (laughs) and he's like don't worry i won't tell anyone i I see you're trying to keep a low profile i'm like bro my hair is just crazy that's why i have a hat on but no like (laughs) by all means come say hi i am not someone that's like trying to hide away from people um i i am not famous in that regard i'm recognizable not famous (laughs) so please come say hi to me but yeah I, i still get it all the time Oh, that's cool. Never me. It's like, <laughs> uh, again, they think I'm someone else. I'm like, oh, you're right. No, oh, no. So I did like, have a, we had a guy come to the office the other day, uh, Trophy Smack office, and he was like, some guy changing a door out. And he literally dropped the door by accident and like rolled, fell on the ground and rolled a couple times. And <laughs> it got caught on our security cameras. And I was like, oh, it's kind of funny. But um, the next day, a different guy showed up and he was like, hey, um, he just wants to make sure he's not going to end up on TMZ because he was caught rolling around outside after his fall. <laughs> and I'm like, the dude didn't even say anything. I didn't even know he <laughs> he recognized me. That was so funny. It was that's a great funny video, though. That's great. <laughs> All right, number seven. <laughs> number seven. Haley Bieber says she's experienced some of the saddest, hardest moments ever in 2023. So she went to social media on, uh, I think this was Wednesday, to share that she'd been feeling kind of fragile after a difficult start to the year. She said, uh, I like to make jokes about how I feel because sometimes it's easier than admitting that I'm having a hard time. She said, but truthfully, since 2023 started, I have had some of the saddest, hardest moments I've ever had in my adult life. And my mind and emotions have been fragile, to say the least. And I know so many of you feel the same way I feel. So you just know you're not alone. Um, and then she continued with a second post that said, that being said, let's keep uh, being there for each other. There's been, uh, let's be there for loved ones and friends and family and strangers. Let's just be there for people. Let's keep showing up for each other when it's hard. Let's be better together. So clearly, you know, and then most of the news stories then 
shifted this to the whole Selena Gomez and her, how they kind of had beef earlier this year on social media. And they were getting, she was getting a ton of death threats. And then Selena stepped in and kind of like said, chill out people. It's all good. We don't have beef. And, but Haley said, Hey, this was really hard. There were so many people and so much hate and coming at me and telling me to kill myself. I don't think that is what this is about. I think that she's had drama for a long time with the Selena stuff. There's got to be something more, and she's not telling us. Well, I think there was the health issue with Justin, um, you know, which was definitely a big concern. Um, the Selena thing was tough, though. I mean, the Selena thing was very big. It's crazy how big that story became and how these people have to keep addressing it. So there's probably more there, but Justin, and I... she also had her own health concerns as well. I feel like there's a bigger story here that they are not revealing. And I don't want to guess because I don't even put I don't even want to put that out there in the world. But I think we will find out in the next little bit the cause of this sadness in her life. But I do say I don't like when people go onto social media and they're like, oh, God, I had the worst day ever. Like, I I don't even want to talk about it. Like, then why would you post about it? (laughs) <laughs> no, I, like I don't eating people into being like okay well, well let me, i'll be the dumbass that has to ask why are you so mad tell me more like stop baiting me just tell me what's up true and i think you need to be more honest with your audience but also and i don't even know if you just if it helps i mean i guess it does help people bring together but also it's like there's a lot of people going through a lot worse you know so, there's a lot of people like grant you gotta you know, it's I, I think people will relate more to the struggle if they know what the struggle is, because then you can go, yeah. I've been there. I've dealt with that same thing. I had a hard time. Thank you. Knowing that someone who's rich and famous and married to one of the biggest stars in the world is also struggling. And then you're like, so you can relate to it. But when you're like, oh, I'm sad, you're sad. Cool. But we don't know why you're sad. So that would be my only thought is if she opened up a little more, she might help more people i agree uh, and that's a great way of looking at it again why you know you're not going to put your whole story out on twitter because you want to save it for your book because so you can make money on it so it's uh you know she's got a brand on herself she wants to be you know she wants to be out there so um but if you're one I of those agree, people I, I who puts though. if you're one of those people this is a public service announcement if you're one of the people that give us the fucking blind item of your life, I I hate, I'm pissed off, I can't believe someone did this, and then you don't say what it is, stop posting on social media. Yes. Okay. Because I don't want to uh, it. It's a, it's a really good perspective on it. Number six. Uh, Aaron Carter's cause of death has now been revealed five months after his passing. Um, so it looks like he drowned after taking prescription pills and huffing compressed air. And that is what the Los Angeles County Medical Examiner has ruled his death as an accident. You know, his family obviously is still not uh, content with that answer. They feel like there was some foul play there. They were like, why was he wearing clothes in the bathtub if he was just taking a bath and slipped out of consciousness and then drowned. Um, the guy did have some hardcore drugs in his system. You know what I'm saying? Um, and huffing is no joke at all. He talked about huffing when he came on our podcast and how his sister had got him into huffing. And it was one of those things that he went to rehab. He really struggled with through life. And if you've ever watched like one of those, um, what was the addiction show? 
when they uh, when they get a group of people together intervention um when you watch an intervention and they've had people on there that are huffers it's gnarly it really messes with your brain uh so to do huffing with basically a generic form of xanax that that treats anxiety he had both of those in his system i can understand why he was incapacitated while taking a bath who huffs man that is some crazy stuff it's like I... and he that's what he said he's like i can't believe i huff it was like it was so dumb he was like i don't know why i did it um yeah i don't know who huffs i mean i've, I've listen i've been around some drugs i mean listen i'm not like a lot but like i'm i'm, I'm in new york city the other day i saw someone doing heroin between their toes oh my god i and i wish i could say that was the first time i've seen it you know how many times i have you ever seen someone do heroin dex no I've seen it happen so many times. It's absolutely Seriously? insane. No, I'm not even joking. This is not even. I've seen, especially like in the last couple of years, I've seen so many times people taking syringes, like out in the open, not hiding it. It's very like you want to vomit. You're like, oh, God. Like, and honestly, I remember the one time I was walking by um, Letterman and Colbert mm-hmm. and I saw someone taking a syringe and I went to the cop at the corner. I was like, hey, man, someone's like, the guy's putting a needle on him. He's like, there's. What am I gonna do? Like, what uh, what do you want me to do? It's like I, I kind of get his side too. It's just like, dude, do what you're doing. Just make sure you get rid of the needle. Like, fucking throw it out. Like, don't use it twice. I don't know. It's a very thing to do. However, what are your thoughts, Dex, on these stories? Because we see a lot of it now, where when the celebrity dies weeks later after the autopsy, we find out exactly how they died. Are you a, mm-hmm. I don't want to say you're a fan of these stories, but I want to say, are you very interesting in knowing exactly what was in their system or how they died? Yeah. With some like, listen, with Aaron Carter, I feel like we kind of knew he, he struggled with addiction for most of his life. So this one is not surprising. I think when it was like Heath Ledger, you know, and he obviously had pill bottles next to his bed, but I think, when, once the toxicology result came out weeks later, it was like, oh, okay, it's it is interesting to hear what the actual cause was. Was it, you know, they had a stroke in in the bed and there just happened to be pills next to them, or you know, was there something that led to their death that is surprising to the public, knowing that they actually struggled with addiction or they were taking a bunch of painkillers, or you know, there's sometimes when it's just a bad concoction of, hey, there was. Uh, too many pills in your system and they reacted badly and unfortunately you passed away. So I, I find it a, them very interesting stories personally. Yeah. Um, sad. You know, yeah. again, Aaron Carter came on our podcast and it's one of those things where I hit him up and he got back to me right away and he was, you know, you have a lot of thoughts. I mean, it's easier to talk, I mean, we talk about this after he passed, but when it happened, when we came on the podcast, we came in like with a, um, with I guess an image or a kind of thought of him, and then he came out and he was so cool. Like, didn't, don't you think he was a cool guy on the podcast? Like, I actually was, liked him. He was like really kind. Like, he was one of those people that you could tell he was a sweet dude, and he's gone through a lot of crap. Um, but he was a really cool guy. This may sound like kind of cheesy to the audience, but it's something that meant a lot to me. Was when we first got him, before we even started recording, you know, he was one of those people that was like, oh, hey, is my, my camera angle okay? Hey, can you hear me okay? Let me, you know, what can I do? And like, he was just so down to earth. And, you you know, we get some stars that will come on and they're just like, let's go. Let's, let's do this. 
And he was so willing to, you know, if, if something happened or someone made a noise, oh, you want me to re-say that? I can re-say that. Like, I don't know. There was just something really genuinely sweet about him. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was – I liked him. I mean, the only thing is, like, at the time, he was probably – I don't know. I, I don't know if he was still dealing or doing some drugs. He said he but, did weed at that time, He's, but he's he did like, weed. He claimed he was sober at that moment. He claimed he was sober. Exactly. Besides weed, he claimed he was sober, and he said that obviously the marijuana was something he was prescribed. But maybe he wasn't. But you were very uh, – if he wasn't sober, he was a good actor. Yeah. You believed him. Yeah. Uh, number five. All right. Rachel McAdams reveals she has rejected some – major movie roles. Why can't I talk today, Adam? Good God. Uh, she said she has rejected some major movie roles, including The Devil Wears Prada and Iron Man. Uh, but it doesn't stop there. You know, after Mean Girls was released, um, she really just kind of like took off. And then, of course, The Notebook, Wedding Crashers, The Family Stone. Um, she's done some huge, huge movies. But Back between like 2006 and 2008, she decided she wanted to spend more time with her family in Ontario, on Ontario and then gave up on huge movies. She So she took a pass on Mission Impossible 3. Check this one out. The Devil Wears Prada, which obviously went to Anne Hathaway. Casino Royale. Iron Man. Get Smart. Um, and by the way, Get Smart and The Devil Wears Prada both went to Anne Hathaway. So... And I would say The Devil Wears Prada is probably Anne Hathaway's number one movie of all time, right? Would you say that? I mean, above like The Princess Diaries and stuff. Like, I feel like that movie I love. Every time it comes on, I have to watch it. Yeah, no, it's definitely a fun movie. I mean, these are huge roles she turned down. And I love Rachel McAdams as an actress. I just thought mm -hmm. she was so pretty until like, I don't know, this photo shoot, this article that she did was a little rough for me because she had armpit hair. I'm not, in, I mean... <laughs> It's. I'm not even joking. She she had yeah, armpit hair. Off. She kept her. She grew her armpit hair armpit hair out for this photo shoot, and it didn't do it for me. I'm sorry. It's it's not what I'm into, but I respect people who do it. Um, but uh, yeah. I mean, here, what I'm always interested in roles people turn down. I love you it, know. Yeah. And I remember asking Mark Wahlberg about that, and he didn't want to discuss that because he didn't think it was the right thing to do because it made other people. Um, he didn't think it was good light for other people. Well, Rachel did say, she goes, you know what? Those roles went to the people that needed to have the roles. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you watch the movie and you go, that was the perfect person for that role. So it was it was good. I didn't do it. But I, I agree. I do love seeing who passed on a role. Like I remember Colin Farrell, you, you know, he was in my Minority Report. But that part actually Javier Bardem passed on on, on playing that role. I remember there were some really what big ones. Jillian Anderson, she was supposed to be in Downtown Abbey. Will, oh, Will Smith turned down the role of Django. Django, yeah, and that went to Jamie Foxx. And Jamie won the Oscar for that one, right? Uh, he did. Liam Neeson turned down the role of James Bond. Um, you know, Claire Danes turned down the role of Rose in Titanic. I mean, there's, that, there's these stories. I'm always huge. Do I mean, I'm. Do you think that Claire would have made that role any better? No, because Kate Winslet, like she's Rose to me. I don't think, I don't know. I, I you, you never know. It could have like the chemistry between Leo and Kate in that movie. I think is what made that movie so good. But can you imagine Will Smith as Neo in the Matrix? Because he passed on that role. 
Wow. Uh, I mean, I, I think Kate was perfect for it. I'm always curious about people that turn down roles, but also I'm curious, like, people that are up for roles, too, like, mm-hmm. you know, who they're considering. Um, I have a friend of mine who just booked a huge role in um, My Best Friend's Wedding. And okay. uh, so they're remaking My Best Friend's Wedding with a very cool, very big cast. And he got he's a huge role. He's going to be playing the new boyfriend of one of the stars of the movie. Um nice. And I said to him, I was like, did you audition? Like, how'd you get the role? He goes, no, they asked me to read it, to read for it, which was audition. And he said, yeah, I'll, I'm not reading. And then he beat the kid. So basically the casting director took him, you know, he got past the casting director by declining the, the audition the saying, no, I want to give me the role. Not don't give me the role. And then all of a sudden he, then the um, producer said, Hey, listen, do you mind just reading with the actress? And that's when he actually read with the actress and he got the role. Dude, I, I wish I was that confident in life, like with yeah. a role or something, like a job. And, there, and I was like, screw you. I don't even need to do this. Because that's, that's when stuff lands in your lap. Because when you're out there searching for it and want it so bad, I feel like it never happens. Like when I left TMZ, I was like looking for all these gigs and nothing. And then finally when I gave up and I was like, yo, let's just live life. That's when stuff started landing in my lap. I'm like, isn't it wild? Hell? Yeah, it's pretty cool. But I wonder what it's like to be like Brad Pitt, where it's like you don't apply for jobs like they come to you and you're just reading. I don't know if you just read scripts all day, but like you probably have get someone, the script to you. You probably have people that read through the scripts and then bring you the best scripts uh, of them all. Yeah. Which I mean, to get to Brad, it's pretty incredible. But also then all of a sudden, Steven Spielberg or Martin Scorsese comes to him, says, hey, Brad. I got this film. It's like, oh, whatever. If Martin thinks it's good, it's got to be good. Have you also read through a script? Like, it's it's not, not easy. easy. It's not an easy read. So no. I think about some of these movies, and I'm like, how did someone sign on to do this movie? Because I got to imagine that script was confusing as fuck. Like, think about the uh, what was The Matrix. That would be a really hard script to read through and be like, yeah, yeah, I'm into this. Because you watch the movie, yeah. and half the time you're like, what the hell just happened? Or what was that one with Leo DiCaprio when it was like, they were sleeping and it was like con- something conception. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Deception. Uh, uh, you're not thinking of ghost, whatever the ghost thing. Cause that movie sucked. That was no. the worst movie. Oh, hidden. Out of what the, why can't I think of any of his movies? Shutter Island. Oh, that Shutter Island. Using one. Yeah. Hold on. Nardo. No, DiCaprio. Hold on. I've got to tell you this movie because I feel like it would have been so hard to read the script. Oh my God, he's got so. What about the script for Tom Hanks and Inception? Inception. Can you imagine reading a script for Inception and being like, "Let's do this"? It was the most confusing movie to watch. I can't imagine reading it. Yeah, and and not only that, you're reading it and you're, you're like, "Someone says this, okay." And then lights dim, camera action. You know, like it has all the details in the script as well. I no, no chance. I I would never get a movie because I'd be like, I can't get through the scripts. Yeah, I Tom Hanks and Castaway. There's no, there's no words in the movie. You're just basically it's a silent <laughs> film for 50 minutes of it. So it's like, what what do those pages say? Tom breaks a coconut. <laughs> he paints a volleyball. Like what? What is going on here? <laughs> oh all right, number God. four. Number four, Frank Ocean has officially pulled out of Coachella for weekend two. You know, he had a pretty big debacle weekend one. 
Um, a lot of things were just going wrong with his performance. He was scheduled for the headlining slot on uh, this Sunday, uh, but they said, nope. Instead, Blink-182 will be filling in. Uh, he will not be performing at Weekend 2 of Coachella. So he, he suffered an injury to uh, his one of his legs on the festival grounds in the week leading up to Weekend 1. Um, and so he was unable to perform the intended show, but was still intent on performing and like in 72 hours, the show was kind of reworked out of necessity. Uh, on doctor's advice, he will not be performing for weekend two due to, I guess, there's two fractures and a sprain in his left leg. Do you know what he did? I don't. It's apparently uh, they, some people were saying he was riding a bike that I'm reading about, but there's no actual um, like he was it was something on the grounds. But the one I'm hearing, he was riding a bike. But I don't know if that story is accurate. Gotcha, gotcha. So there, were, there was a, a bunch of like uproar around, you know, his polarizing set during uh, the the first weekend. You know, I, I guess when they had to rework it, it was kind of crazy. Like they had like ice skaters come out, but like there was a lot of technical difficulties. It just was a bit of a flop, in other words, especially for a closer. You, you want to have the best performance out of the entire day. A lot of people were really unhappy with it. He was injured. Um, I don't know. There, there was a lot of things. If you were on social media this week, you saw a lot of hate toward towards him, towards the performance. Uh, but apparently Blink-182 are rocking it. Um, and this is kind of the first time that that group has been together with Tom DeLonge uh, since 2014. And so they didn't waste any time. A lot of people are loving them being back together, praise them. So they'll be filling in and uh, just making a, a hell of a, a weekend, too. So I... I Listen, he's out, but uh, I think people are still going to get a great performance out of Blink-182. Yeah, um, Franco, people were just angry just about the whole situation. They went there, got there like 8 a.m. just to mm-hmm. see Franco perform, and unfortunately wasn't healthy. And, they and didn't he get was to like an the- hour late, too. Yeah, yeah. So I think people are just really unhappy with the whole situation, and the anger just spiraled into him and just have to kind of pull from the festival. Now mm-hmm. Blink-182 is taken over, and people are very excited to see Blink-182 perform <laughs> at Coachella. Last weekend, they performed at Coachella, and uh, the videos on TikTok were everywhere. One thing I thought was really funny was um, as Travis Barker is playing the drums, there was a – again, I, found, I saw this on TikTok. As Travis Barker is playing the drums, his son is sitting behind him on, the, on like the corner. like He's not visible mm-hmm. to the crowd, and he's like playing the drums like – like, like the invisible drums? drums, like air drums. Yeah. And he's not like a young kid. This kid's seven to 18 years old, maybe. Um, he's the one dating Charlie D'Amelio. Mm-hmm. And he's very punk rock or very punk, but it was just very like it was it felt forced. You know, it's one thing if it's a nine-year-old kid or eight-year-old kid, but the kid's like 18 years old doing it. And I was like, uh, this is just you just have very good access right now. So that part was a little bit like yuck. <laughs> However, it is nice to see Blink-182 back together, <laughs> even though it was just one guy. A, you don't give him a pass because he's the son? Like, it's not just, like, some random kid. Like, it's the son. No? No pass on that one? He's 18 okay. years old, you know? Like, <laughs> come on. Get shit together, dude. You know? It's like, it's one thing being on the side of the stage and, like, kind of messing around doing it. But, like, when you're mm-hmm. right where he – if you see the video, and I – maybe I'll put the video. It's like you're just kind of, like, turned off by it. It was just – it's not punk. I'll have to it's, watch it's it. It's not too forced. Something about okay. rock music, about rock artists, I feel like it, cool is something that's natural. 
-hmm. You know, it's something that kind of oozes out of you. It's not forced. And to me, it just wasn't cool. <laughs> All right. I'll have to watch it so I can give my opinion on it. I haven't seen have it. You, have you been to Coachella? Uh, no, never been to Coachella. It's, dude, for me, I feel like I feel like I missed my prime of going to Coachella. You know what I'm saying? Like when I was younger and like to me, nothing sounds worse than going to the hot ass <laughs> desert, having nowhere to stay, nowhere to pee or poop, nothing to drink. Like that is my nightmare. So, yeah. No. Yeah. I don't really find the excitement. I've never been, but I don't find the excitement or the appeal to go to Coachella. I'm like, not like, oh, I need to be there. I've been to music festivals before. And they're exhausting. Yeah, like just like even just... the the drive to get out to Palm Springs, it's already bad on a normal basis, but like or Indio. But when it's Coachella weekend, like you're gonna be sitting in the car for like six, seven hours driving out there. And there's nowhere to stay. Like all the places are booked up, and then it's just like I don't like being hot all day long and sweaty and gross. And then yeah, no. Uh, what just, about the I, people? This is, old man shit but no that doesn't sound fun to me what unless here's the thing if i could get like a if i could go like kim kardashian style and get a helicopter ride out there get dropped into the vip booth where there's like food galore and then you get to like watch and you're not surrounded by a bunch of like drunk grossy gross sweaty people that i'm in yeah it's uh it's like one of those festivals that's good for the gram and it's interesting to see like people over the age of 30 at coachella do you agree mm -hmm. or no? I, I I would say yes, but at the same time, I would say over 50 would be a little more shocking to me. 50 would be shocking. Yeah, that's funny. At Coachella, you don't see anyone over the age of 50. Like, it's not like a Woodstock or some sort of, like, you know, other festival. Like, it's, it's very um, catered towards young people. It's, it's funny. I didn't, unless it's, like, some young kid's father who brought them or mom or, you know, but you don't see any old people at you Coachella. Really no. Speaking of old people at Coachella, number three. <laughs> Ariana Maddox uh, locking lips with her Coachella boyfriend. Well, I don't know if he's a boyfriend or not, but someone she is hanging out with, uh, this guy named Daniel Way, who is, I believe, an influencer, some kind of, like, workout personal dude, personal trainer, uh, big on the gram. Uh, so they were first spotted hanging out at Coachella, but then she actually took him to LAX, dropped him off at LAX, and they were seen outside smooching, which to me means true love. Yeah. Have you yeah. ever <laughs> gone to LAX? You have to be madly in love with someone to drop them <laughs> off at motherfucking LAX, which is the worst airport known to man. There's so much construction going on there. Uh, like, if my wife said, babe, can you drop me off at LAX? I'd say, get an Uber. Like, that's yeah. how bad it is. So she really had to, has to like this guy to be the one dropping him off and going through that goddamn turnabout because it's such a horrible airport. Yeah, it's, uh, that's commitment, it, dude. It, you know, a lot of the, you know, Sheena, like all the Vanderpump girls were at the, um, were at Coachella. Mm -hmm. All doing paparazzi setup shots. And it's funny, it's interesting to see how much coverage Vanderpump is still getting getting. And you know, Tom Sandoval, who is, you know, obviously this Scandoval, is still making headlines. And he got shot this week by paparazzi. And during that thing, he said he thinks the story's escalating. Because it's not the internet, it's the people in the cast that are really escalating the story. Well, so tell me this, Adam. 
Tell me the last time you saw a photo or video of someone dropping someone off at the airport. There's a reason that you don't get drop-offs at the airport because you would have to know the exact location and time of someone pulling up, getting out of the car, and going. You get arrivals because you have an itinerary. You know what time that they're going to be walking out. You have time. You may see them come down the hallway. You spot them at the, the baggage carrier. There's a moment where you see them. Dropping off is the most impossible time to get them. This was a setup, 100%. Well, I mean, even the shots at Coachella were all set up shots. So um, and we know some of the photographers who did the photos and they're the ones who do those type of shots. So uh, nothing wrong against it. I mean, it's uh, don't hit the player, hit the game. But it's just it's funny how the no, I just cast... I like to expose that to the audience. Like, yeah, no, when for you sure. See a photo like this. This this photo is impossible to get even for like trained paparazzi, because number one, you can't you can't tail her into LAX. There's too many cars. There's too many moving parts. It would be impossible for someone to tail her into LAX. So I can't say, oh, well, they just followed her from her house and they got her there. That's that's not the case. They had to know exactly where she was. They had to have this planned out because it just it doesn't work like that. But again, all good. They wanted to take the snuggly, cozy, kissing photos because this is good for her brand. It's good for publicity. It's fueling more Vanderpump fire. Yeah, no, it's it's the cast that's really escalating the story and kind of keeping it kind of relevant or trying to keep it in the news as much as possible to use this to, you know, get back on the show, but also kind of listen, the Vanderpump cast is going to get another season and oh, yeah. it'd be nice if they could all go in it together saying, oh, you want us all to come back to the show? All right. Pay us more money. Mm hmm. Yep. And you then know, did and you see? And Bravo's obviously fueling it as well because they're now releasing unseen clips. I don't know if you saw this on TMZ. They had a clip from that had hit the cutting room floor, and it's like Raquel, Tom, and Ariana in a hot tub, and they're like taking photos, and Ariana's topless, and they're like, and she kind of jokes, "Oh God, we look like a thruple here." And yeah, to, so for Bravo to even be putting out unseen clips, like everyone's playing into this This is the best publicity you could have done for the show. Yeah. And then Tom again was seen uh, at LAX and he was happy. You know, he says he wants her to move on and he's happy that Ariana is with the new guys. So um, yeah, listen there at this point, you, I hope the public knows that the Vanderpump cast is the one feeling all these stories on moving on. Number two. Number two, Jamie Foxx, he uh, remains hospitalized as of at least Thursday when we are taping this, uh, but he remains hospitalized and he's healing from a medical complication. We don't know what that medical complication is. They have not released it. They haven't really said too much. It was his daughter who first announced the news on a social media post saying we wanted to share that my father, Jamie Foxx, experienced a medical complication yesterday. Luckily, due to quick action and great care, he is already on his way to uh, recovery. But, I mean, he's been in the hospital for over a week now. That's That means this was a pretty serious medical complication. Don't you agree? Yeah, and it's we haven't really heard exactly what it is. And you would think that it's sort of, you know, it's hard for those stories to be released but or come out. But you would think at, one po at some point he would kind of address like what exactly was the situation you know just to kind of 
calm people down and make sure like that everything is okay. But I also, I mean, I know I think this is a terrible way of looking at it, but I think some people like the, the people guessing what happened to them. Mm -hmm. You know, like I could be okay. Maybe I'm just recovering. Maybe I'm just stuck with IVs and hydrating and just here recovering, but it's maybe Not good for, a week, for people. Because a week's going to, the hospital's going to get you out. They're going to be like, we need this bed. Get out of here. If you're yeah. like healthy enough to be out, they want you out. Even if you're a celebrity? Yeah. Get get out, bro. We need the bed. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think if you're a celebrity, especially Jamie Foxx, which is an A-list star, you know. They're going to just keep feeding him ice chips. And you, you, you should take a yeah. couple more days off, sir. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> you still look exhausted. <laughs> you're, oh, you're paying cash? Yeah, no worries. Just keep hanging out, you know? It's okay. It's okay. Uh, but uh, on that note, he, he was supposed to be filming his uh, Back in Action movie uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. And so Cameron Diaz, we, we were talking about her. This is her first role coming back after a long hiatus from acting. And uh, she continued to film. They basically had someone as like a kind of looks like a stunt double filling in for Jamie. So she was able to continue film scenes without him, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. Why have a, a like my thought is, does Cameron have a bunch of things lined up? So she kind of has to film the movie without him. I don't know, because how much can you really film without the other star of the movie? Like, why wouldn't you just kind of take a break? Yeah, this movie is like, I mean, they're filming it now, but it's getting so much sort of a buzz with Cameron Diaz and now Jamie Foxx. I'm sure the producers are like, oh, this is a headache. Or they like, this is bringing a lot of attention to the movie that before it even comes out, which is kind of good. All right, moving on. Finally, our number one story of the week. Number one story of the week, Sean Mendez, Camila Cabello. I am saying they are fully back together. Uh, you know, we saw a bunch of stuff um, from Coachella, videos, photos of them hanging out, kissing, kind of rekindling their romance. Uh, they, their people are going to put out a statement saying, no, 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 they're, they're not back together, but they are, you know, they've had a very amazing relationship and they'll have mutual respect for each other. And they were just kind of into Coachella, but like they were kissing all over the place, right? Well, there's a new video that TMZ posted of them walking down the street in L.A. hand in hand. It's like literally a three second video. But my thing is they're back on. Yeah, there's something going on there. I mean, there's uh, they're hanging out. I mean, you know, I just got to say that the experience in the desert was very magical at Coachella. That's what Sean Mendes would say. He'd use these <laughs> words. It's like, dude, speak normally. But they've been hanging out. They're hanging out not just at Coachella. They were hanging out. They were seen uh, being a little affection with each other in Santa Monica. Um, I think they're both feeling it out, which is interesting because you didn't know if Camila was seeing another guy. You didn't hear if they broke up. Sean was rumored to be dating that older woman, his chiropractor. Mm -hmm. oh, yes, Remember that? Or we never yeah. – um, we never really, Which she was, out. by the way, she was there at Coachella, like five feet away when him and Camilla were, or Camila, Camila Cabello were, were kissing. So maybe they truly are friends. We thought they were dating, but maybe they really are just close because that's would be really awkward if he's just making out with his ex right in front of yeah. his new one. Yeah, I think that put an end to that story, at least. You know, I think we could rule a chiropractor is literally just a friend. But what 51, I mean, I was going to say, what 51 year old person wants to hang out with a 20 summer? You know, I don't know. It's a weird oh, kind of it's friendship. Sean Mendez, bro. Let's let's be realistic. Yeah, I'll find some things we have in common. 
Um, <laughs> but I, I have to say, this is the prime example. Like them getting back together now, I think they will actually stay together because this happens a lot where a couple they you know they have a great relationship, they break up and then realize how much better they had it, or they miss the person, and you get back together and your relationship is like stronger after that point. So I could see them now, their relationship going a lot longer than it did the first time. Yeah. I mean, they're or that's me thinking positive. Are they officially an item? No. Are they, I think the by the photos of what we're seeing, are they kind of feeling? Oh, each they're other officially out? an item. They're walking down the street hand in hand after kissing at Coachella. Like they're back fucking on. Like, don't don't tell me through their PR reps that they're not together. Like bullshit. Dax, they're on the Coachella High. Listen, we 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 bonded together. We both took poops in urinals, and, and, <laughs> and, and you know they take poops in those Porto Johns at Coachella all week. You know, we we suffered just to hear York play. Okay. Uh, by the way, oh that's like God. the funniest thing is like, oh, it's this beautiful concert, the desert. It's all the pretty lights. And I got these great outfits for Coachella. Yeah, but you just took a dump in a Porto John. How fucking cool can you be? <laughs> I saw the photos of Timothy Chalamet in the background, just Porter Johns. I was like, oh, gross, dude. You guys had to hang out Porter Johns all week. Uh, I literally, every time I see a Porter Potty, all I think about is um, what's her face Um, from Laguna Beach? What's her name? Uh, Kirsten Cavalieri? No, Audrina Patridge. Audrina Patridge? Oh, I guess she was more Hills. But remember, I I told you that I was at a a music festival (laughs) and she. And we were all backstage in the VIP area, and she literally was walking up to the port potties like it was the most disgusting thing. And these were actually clean port potties because they were all VIP ones. But she would walk up and like open the door, and be like, Ew! Ugh! and like close the door, go to the next one. She got gross, and, close, and the next one she went down like four or five of them, she's like, Ew! gross. And then finally she went in, and she was just so grossed out. And so every time I see a port potty, I think about Dreamy Patrick because it makes me laugh how like. She had to use a part of audio and she's so just grossed out of it. You know what the funniest, you know what the most embarrassing thing about a porta potty is once you're done with them and you close the door, it slams. Yeah. Like it's just like the plastic hits the plastic, it slams. So everyone's like, whoa, bang. Oh, somebody <laughs> just came out. Like everyone, I think like everyone looks at me. I don't think, but I out. think what's more embarrassing is like if you just took a dookie, the person behind you is literally going to see your dookie because you can't flush it. It's just no, sitting on the pile down there. Floating in the blue water. So gross. I, probably so nasty that should be a segment on like a you can't do it on tv but we should see celebrity poops and you have to guess which celebrity is like multiple <laughs> choice which celebrity took that dump <laughs> was it dan Aykroyd? was it arsenio hall was it sean mendez who sean mendez like? we saw him eating a cob of corn the other day it's definitely <sighs> his <laughs> we gotta be done show. we literally just lost all the audience we gotta go <laughs> I know that was gross. Sorry, guys. Uh, go back to eating your acai bowls. Um, my guys, make sure you follow us and like us on YouTube. Um, yeah, I promise you, that's the end of our poop conversation. Um, <laughs> go on Instagram. Follow I at least us on Instagram. Someone was laughing because I can see half our audience. That they're gonna be like, "Oh my god, these guys are so disgusting." I know. Follow us on uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. We're on it all. We have this private Facebook group called Off the Record. It's a great community where you guys can ask us questions. You guys talk to each other. It's just a really, really fun thing to do. Follow me at at Adam Glenn. Follow Dax Holt at Dax Holt. See you guys later. Bye. A Huda Media Production.